Welcome in, Weekly Neurosis, episode number two. Number two. Number dos. This week is evil. Yes. Evil. We're sorry for the depressing uh, depressing themes, but um, yeah, this week we just ended up going with evil. Um, just to kind of give you an overview of what we're going to do today before we get rolling. The movie this week that we watched, we went to see it in the theaters actually yesterday, is Spotlight, all-star cast. We'll give your opinion on that. And Ethan, tell us about the album this week. We were listening to famous, infamous, if you will, black metal, death metal band Behemoth's album, The Satanist, uh, to go along with her theme of evil. Of evil. And we'll also go over, like usual, um, our obsessions, and then also talk about uh, a few other news items that are floating around in the universe. But first off, man, let's crack these beers. That's what we got today, Nate. We have Hot Devil from Victory Brewing Company. It's an IPA. Uh, I should have looked at where they were from. I think I've had this one before in the past. I Downingtown, Pennsylvania. I have, because that's where I actually found it tonight. Because I was looking for a, a Satan-themed beer. Satan. Satan evil. and or evil. Yeah, I was having some trouble finding something. I wasn't at the, the store I normally go to. Not as much variety, but uh, you done good. Doing good, son. No, but it, uh, the other... Um, thing I was thinking of is actually St. Francis Brewery from St. Francis, Wisconsin. Their beers are all named after sins. Yes, and actually uh, for the last episode we did, I saw that entire line. And since we did Doubt last week, I was kind of hoping that was one of them. And then I realized, well, that's not a, that's not a sin. It's not a sin. Yeah, that would, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But uh, I th yeah, that would have been go good to see. But uh, th this works. This Top works. devil, for sure. Especially since we're talking about the Satanist. The Satanist and... <laughs> And some evil stuff within Spotlight, if you're not familiar, but... Um, we'll go over all of that. All right, so evil, pretty self-explanatory. Doesn't... I don't think it, it's such a simple word. I don't think it really needs a definition. Yeah, I mean, the word evil, it's, it's just something we all... Good versus evil, it's the ultimate themes in pretty much every, every movie, Every concept, every religion, politics—it's all based around the concept of good and evil. But we're gonna we're gonna focus on evil today. Yeah, and for me, it's it's it conjures up images, obviously, of the devil. You think of you know I, I consider people that are evil to be like serial killers and and stuff like that. So um, definitely, to me, it's a pow like a super powerful word. I'd say it's one of the most powerful words. For sure, I it's think it's not a swear word. You know, all right, because I mean, if you're evil you're you're acting in a way that's hurting other people and maybe not even benefiting you but your actions your motives are in no way good you're not doing anything for any positive reason if you're acting in an evil way you're working for the sole purpose of hurting other people and that and that's pure evil there, there's not necessarily any gain in it but when you're evil man you're evil, you're evil. <laughs> and i feel like it's when you hear about people they're either bad like bad's one step, but then like the people that are just the worst, like just right. have hurt tons and tons of people or have done really sadistic things, they get this this bump up to this word of evil. Like you, it conjures up like, you know, I hate to mention it, but like Adolf Hitler and stuff right. like that, like just over the top. Yeah, there's a difference between doing something wrong and having made a mistake to do that thing and then doing wrong for wrong's sake and that's mm -hmm. what evil is i think yeah it's just you're just you know it's bad or, and you're still doing it or maybe you don't 
know it's bad and you're still doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is is definitely a powerful word. I will say that we chose a powerful album and we also chose a very powerful movie as well. So I think this this episode really fits together. The beer could could be more powerful. I suppose it's a six six point seven percent alcohol by volume, which is pretty nowadays for IPAs is pretty tame. Not to no, it, it, yeah, it is, and actually having just tasted it, even I, maybe I've just had a lot of crazy double, triple IPAs, but mm-hmm. it's actually a, it's a pretty normal IPA, I think it's a more citrusy, uh, you know, it's got more of the citrus hops in it versus, uh, you know, grapefruity or um, mm-hmm. a floral or something, but I, I like it a lot, I think it's good. Yeah. It's a, it's an easier drinking IPA with its lower alcohol content, but still, if you're, you know, if you don't, if you're not into IPAs, Mm, this might actually be an okay starting one. That would be, yeah. Maybe because I don't think you should really start IPAs with sessions, like session IPAs, because those are so light mm-hmm. that it doesn't really give you that that full scope. Mo- yeah, most session IPAs I've had are, they might as well be pale ales. I mm-hmm. mean, they're hoppy, but I've never had one that gives me all the characteristics, the true bitters, and the and the complexity of a, of a real IPA. Right. And this one's got all of it, even though it is. A little bit easier drinking than some of the other ones I've had. Beautiful hue of color, though. I've got yeah. to say. Yeah, it looks good. And their uh, their dub Victory Brewing Company's double IPA is called Dirt Wolf. It is the the name befits it. It's little. It tastes a little bit off in my opinion, but it is <laughs> very 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 hefty in terms of uh, the alcohol by volume or the uh, all popular ABV. So good brew and uh, a really good movie. You want to get into that? Absolutely. Let's talk about uh, Spotlight. A lot of buzz about this movie. Lots and lots right now. And it is a very powerful medium to write a story about. Uh, The plot is pretty, actually, you don't really need to read the official one. It's the story of the uh, Spotlight team from the Boston Globe newspaper, uh, an investigative team, and the story of how they uncovered um, the Catholic Church uh, covering up child molestation and uh, pretty heavy stuff like rape as well so Mm -hmm. yeah definitely follows a couple of main people mainly on the journalism uh, side of things and how they they piece this whole situation together and how it impacts their lives and how they think it'll impact you know society at large (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah this movie's directed by uh, uh, Tom McCarthy and I think if you looked this guy up you would recognize him because I actually recognized him from the movie 2012, the action movie with John Cusack. Yeah. He was the hus- the husband of John Cusack's ex-wife in that movie, which is really bizarre to think about. Yeah. Kind of a character actor directing such heavy stuff, but if you look at his uh, filmography as a director, he's directed some pretty heavy stuff. He directed The Visitor, which came out in the last decade or so yeah. and got a couple of Oscar nominations, and also uh, The Station Agent, which starred... Um, Oh, I can't think of his name from Game of Thrones, the uh, short fellow. Ben? No, no, no. No. What's his name? Oh, I feel stupid that I can't think of his But yeah, I remember right seeing now. that movie. Right. It's on Netflix, if anybody, but he directed that. They're both, he makes mature movies, mm-hmm. so this doesn't really surprise me. But if you look at his acting uh, career, he's acted in movies such as Meet the Parents, uh, 2012, but also most more serious stuff such as Good Night and Good Luck and Michael mm-hmm. Clayton. Okay. Um, so he directed this movie, which I was kind of surprised to see. Yeah, that is. I had no idea. Yeah, and also a great uh, cast in this movie as well. I mean, it's kind of hard to go wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's you mean Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, um, and then Brian D'Arcy is is kind of a, a role actor. He's part of the plot. He plays the can't remember the guy's name, but he was kind okay. of he was in there as well, and of course Mark Ruffalo as well. Mm-hmm. 
and add-ons, uh, Leif Schreiber, Stanley Tucci, and John Slatter Slattery, I think is how you pronounce it, from Mad Men as well. Correct. So what did you think overall of, the, of this movie? And before we say anything, this movie has a lot of hype, like we said, mm -hmm. a lot of Oscar talk here. Um, so it's a movie that I went into with high expectations, and I'm sure you did as well, especially did with as the well. cast. So what did you think? I was absolutely blown away. I think that this is such a massive story, so controversial, such a heavy medium that it, it is so easy to go wrong in that case. And it, they could have gotten off track, and you could have made it too dramatic and, and gone these different ways. It's so such a pure story, and it's so clearly told. They just they show this team working against you know tremendous odds, and it's that's that's all it is. They don't they never really deviate from that. Uh, the dialogue is constant; it moves fast, and it does have. You said last night when we saw it, it feels like an action film, minus the typical things you see in an action movie. Yeah, it's just so fast paced, and for a movie about a bunch of journalists interviewing people and trying to figure out how they're gonna frame and work this story it's i was on the edge of my seat the whole time mm -hmm. and it kept kept me and, and you said too i think interested for the entire time yeah there's really really no letdown but i think that the acting is really really what made this though i think like i said mark ruffalo was phenomenal michael keaton i thought rachel mcadams was basically and, and this isn't to knock her but she was basically like herself from true detective well, no. I don't think there was a whole lot of if it, the, I don't agree. It, it was kind of the look, just her demeanor. I don't know. I, I got. I, I gotta, thought she. If anybody's seen season two of True Detective, I, I thought she played a, a much more flawed individual who had a bad history with her father mm -hmm. and her sister, and she had some you know issues that worked her way into her sexuality and her job and everything. And she was. I thought she was ultra confident, and she was actually. She was one of my standout performances in this, so I really? I, I really liked her. Yeah, and I mean, and again, that's not to not because she still did a phenomenal job. I just something about it reminded me of her. But I thought that honestly, Stanley Tucci and and John Slater, I think I put in the the Google Doc. Stanley Tucci's kind of like the white Samuel L. Jackson. That's not supposed to be racist in any way, shape, or form. But he's a, he's a character actor yeah, who pops up, and every time he does, you're happy to see him. Yeah, and he's he was good in this one. He played a, a kooky attorney, um, but just just. Blew me away. Yeah, uh, this is a movie that I think going into it knowing what it's about, it's easy to hold up in high regard just because the topic, just because the story it's telling could be considered quote unquote important. But the movie is so pointed and it's so well crafted and so well acted that it is entertaining, uh, but it's at the same time a serious movie. I loved every second of, uh, of the movie and honestly it went by in a minute. And you said it was purely actor-driven, I agree, but at the same time I don't because I kept going, we, we just saw this movie and I feel like I need to see it again to digest, but mm -hmm. the movies, of course the performances are incredible and without the performances the movie would be lesser, but I don't want to discredit how well, how well made the rest of the movie is because it's so well edited, it's so well written, like you were kind of hinting at, there's no wasted time or space, there's no needless characters, there's no fat in this movie that could be cut off. Everything pertains to the story in some way. Um, and the way it was edited and put together was just so, it was so riveting and so entertaining that I can't necessarily agree that it's a performance-driven movie. That's part of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, with without how well constructed the movie was made, the, perform the, the movie would have fallen a lot flatter, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that you just touched on it too with the casting of this movie. Every single character seemed genuine. Mm -hmm. There wasn't... 
one person that seemed kind of out of place, the archdiocese people, they all seemed like people that, you know, you'd see it in that setting. The regular street people from Boston were probably people actually from Boston. But it, it yeah. just, everything, there's really no pointless moment. I don't think there was any time where I felt like it lagged. It just, it went through and two and a half hours later, I felt like it had been 15 minutes in a way. Right, it's a, it's a rare movie where I think with a lot of other movies you can say, well, this is performance driven, this is visually driven, this is narratively driven, but I think this movie really is structurally driven. Because mm -hmm. you see these characters and how the, the different aspects they're investigating in the story all fall into place. It's never confusing, it's never hard to follow, it's certainly complex, both narratively and emotionally, but it was never hard to follow and it, 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 it puts this wall up of these pieces so well that you've got a real sense of what was going on here. While being entertained, there was a couple of uh, funny lines here and there. Um, and, uh, you know, last week we watched, or the last episode, rather, we watched Steve Jobs, and we both kind of said the dialogue in that movie was great, but it was so good that it's hard to necessarily see people in real life talking that way. Mm -hmm. This movie has just as good a dialogue, but it's completely real. There was never mm -hmm. a question about uh, the believability of it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I, I think that it was... A lot of it was a conversation. It seemed very genuine. That that comes with good acting, mm -hmm. but it it just yeah, just a, a truly truly blew me away. And I mean, it, it's supposedly going to win movie of the year. I, I don't know if it will. I'm not a member of the academy, but right. it's a little it, early for that. But I think if they had the awards tomorrow, I think it would win. But who who okay? Just so just so we got this. Who was your favorite actor in this movie? Who do you think? Mark Ruffalo. The, yeah, I agree. Because he, it's, and it reminded me, and I'm not saying that it's on the same level, but like Daniel Day-Lewis as Will, uh, William Plainview and There Will Be Blood. Daniel Plainview. Daniel Plainview, oh man. No, I do. Okay, let me stop you right there. That's my favorite movie of all time. But no, the same, like, he had a mannerism and like a, just a twitch, yeah, twitch he about did. him. He was kind of, in, clo in, in close-ups, he his head was kind of hunched forward and he had this different look on his face mm -hmm. and it, he he didn't really have a Boston accent. He his character at one point mentioned he was what was it Portuguese. Mm -hmm. Man, he just was totally into it. And of all him and uh, Rachel McAdams, I thought were the standouts. But yeah, man, that's like choosing a favorite child. I mean, everybody was so good in this movie. It was really surprising. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, he went. I, I don't know. I really don't know too horribly much about Mark Ruffalo. I've seen him. In he's a from lot Wisconsin. Of stuff. Really? Yeah, he's from Kenosha. That's really? where we sit now. <sighs> Not in Kenosha, but Wisconsin. Wisconsin, that's true. But no, yeah, he just, he had this method. It was to probably, a, I don't know if he's a method actor, but he had that, he clearly studied. And if you look at pictures of him, the actual guy, the reporter, it looks like him. Like, they right. made him to look like him. Well, Mark Ruffalo is kind of a, an interesting character because he goes back and forth between doing, you know, smaller films like this. And, and then he, I mean, he's the Hulk. In the Avengers, everybody in the world has seen that movie. Mm -hmm. So he, he does these blockbusters, and he does a movie like this, and if you look back in his career, he's done stuff. He was in a, a Zodiac, which I actually mm -hmm. think is in a lot of ways similar to, to Spotlight and how it makes uh, journalism very interesting, but he's also in movies like The Kids Are All Right. Mm -hmm. uh, he's good in everything he does. It's cool to see somebody who's not afraid to do blockbusters and uh, smaller movies like this. Mm -hmm. Was he in any of... No, I don't think he was. But yeah, I was just trying to think. But yeah, and again, it's it's 
has a ton, a ton of buzz. I think partly because of the the storyline. This was extremely controversial. And I, I, I told you after we got out of the movie, I'm actually, I went to Catholic school my whole life. Mm-hmm. I never, obviously, I was never molested or raped by a priest. But, well, that's good. Yeah. But um, the Catholic community in general was just rocked by this. Like, this was, when we talk about evil, this was evil men, you know, covering up evil deeds done by evil people. It was, it was just so shocking and, and detrimental to the church. Right, and what I thought was interesting about how they painted the portrait, it's it's so easy to look at these priests who commit these crimes and, and demonize them, but what this movie does is show you how, sure, the individual action is the problem, but you see how their actions are hidden and supported by the church, and not only the church, but the people in the community. Mm-hmm. Way more people know about what's going on here than, than I ever would have thought of. And it really shows you how the, this evil concept, this, this evil deed can just be, it can be hidden. It can become almost a normal part of, of daily life. And these, these journalists set out to expose this. And it's interesting because at the beginning of the movie, they're looking for the next good story. They want to mm-hmm. make sure they have a good story, to have a good job. But by the end of this movie, they want to get this thing published because they can't believe everything they've learned. Yeah. And they see how important it is and how evil these actions uh, against these, these innocent children have been. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's, it's such a heavy story. But again, that's what made this movie so great is they never really went there. Like in terms of, like, you know, defiling the church or making, you know, they just didn't. They They covered the story and kind of... Right. This very, very simple way, but it, it worked. It, right. It's not necessarily saying, you know, Catholicism is evil. It's mm-hmm. saying the action of these priests and how the organization itself is hiding it up, that's totally contrary to the teachings. Mm-hmm. And that act is evil. Yeah. The spiritual portion, there's even a, a sequence where a character kind of talks about this, how the spiritual elements of the church are should not be ignored. And uh, there were some characters in the movie who still go to church and still you know, practice their religion despite knowing all these details. And it just shows you how, how complex of an issue it is. It's so easy to, to, to boil things down to black and white, but there's just a lot going on here in the there's movie. There's a lot of gray right. area. Yeah. Yep. yep. But I don't know, what, what did you give it for a, for a point scale? Well, I, I, I was getting nervous because towards the end of the year, I, I think I would mentioned off, uh, off air here that I'd only given one movie previously a perfect score mm-hmm. and usually I think I give three to five movies a year a perfect score but this is this is the second one of the year I got to give this a 10 out of 10 I just can't think of anything about it that uh I disliked and maybe seeing it again would make me think otherwise but I, I loved it mm-hmm. I love this movie yeah <laughs> I did too I had it I used the decimal pitchfork method but I gave it a, I actually had a 9.6 so very close Why? I just I, I had to knock it down just a little bit because I thought that, Rich, it just it reminded me of, of True Detective. Too I mean, much. when you watch it again, that'll go away because the characters were so different. I thought. Yeah, I thought I thought more of her method of acting was was comparable, but still phenomenal. Well, I guess film. I can see that, but it didn't bother me. I thought she was perfect in the role, and it's I, I'm actually we can go back into this, but I'm actually happy to see her doing stuff like this. I I actually like True Detective season two a lot. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't, but uh. It's cool to see her doing these really mature projects. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Long long way from the notebook. Let's just put it that way. Hey, man. Don't knock the, don't don't knock knock the, the notebook, notebook, dude. No, Ryan Gosling. Amazing. That movie gave us the gauze. The gauze. 
was, he was born and raised that day. <laughs> he was actually in the, the show um, Are You Afraid of the Dark back in the 90s when he was like 10. Really? Yeah. Huh. It's good. It's good stuff. Google As an it. adult, though, the notebook <laughs> broke it out. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, Weekly Neurosis, episode number two. Evil. Evil, Satan, <laughs> the Satanist. The Satanist, yes. <laughs> We're here now to talk about our uh, album of the week, which is uh, Behemoth's album, The Satanist. So a little background information on this album. Uh, this is the 10th studio album by Polish death metal slash extreme metal band Behemoth. The group has a long history and has changed from a more black metal oriented sound towards the beginning of their career to a more death metal oriented sound uh, presently. The title of this album makes it pretty obvious, but Behemoth isn't known for their subtlety in their lyrical content and sings about and celebrates the darker elements in life such as Satan, anguish, desperation, and of course, evil. Evil, so, evil, evil. Yes, yeah, so this album was released in 2014, and all you people out there who hate metal, hate screaming lyrics, you're running away, but this album fits perfectly this week. So uh, what did you think, Nate? What did you think about this album? Well, I, like you just mentioned, it's it's really not for everybody. I think this is one of those albums you, if you're a metal fan, you need to have like at least a 201. Like there's the 101 class and there's a 201. Mm -hmm. You need to at least be at that 201 level, which I would say I'm barely at. But it's... To me, it, um, it it was it was pretty good. I got a kick out of when I just researched them that they're considered a blackened death metal in addition to black metal and death metal, mm -hmm. which I thought blackened death metal. It's like yep. a level above. And they definitely were. It's um, one of those things when you look at the. There's no genre like metal where you can break it down into genres, sub subgenres. It gets a little ridiculous when you're saying symphonic blackened death metal or whatever it is. And yeah. this is, yeah. It's this pretty, fits, it, this it, fits the bill. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I just if you, I mean, if you just do a Google image search of Behemoth band, like they're they're doing this up. You know, they're I, doing the black metal thing where they yeah. paint their faces white and black, and they the the competition seems to be who can make the most evil pose. Mm -hmm. And they're all they got long nails, long greasy hair. They're always mm -hmm. looking in the sky with frowns and scowls. And have, there's <laughs> a picture of them with like these like like slaves. What appears it's. It's nice. I thought though it was overall it's a good album. It had good balance. Um, they did a good job with the tempo changes, which is a big thing with metal. You need to switch it up. Um, it definitely kept me interested. Um, really solid songs, and the first four were pretty good for me. Um, I agree. I think the album starts better than it ends. And, and, yeah, yeah, it was, and that's the thing is towards the end it, it did lose me. And it seemed like with the first four songs, I should say the first four and a half songs of the of the album. It's good, and then from there on out, they just added too much in at times. Okay. They added too much pedaling with the drums, or they added another guitar, or they added, you know, an extra long drum sequence, and kind of the interplay of, of sounds, like, they would add in, like, a chorus at certain times. Okay. Um, that, it just, I don't know, so towards the end, it just didn't fit for me. But overall, like I said, they did an excellent job of kind of keeping the tempo and, and switching it up and and cool I like the, the album cover too I yeah it's say. pretty scary looking yeah, yeah you know when it comes to metal I, I kind of I have a good, pretty good relationship with it when I was younger and I'm talking early teenage years here 
I was real into metal. I mm -hmm. really got into this stuff and I listened to it a lot. When it hit mid to late teenage years, I started listening to like Bob Dylan and the White Stripes and I gravitated more that way. And I'll, now in this day and age, I'm, I listen to metal, but I'm, I, I'm a little bit pickier about it. But this, this is an album that uh, I listened to right away last year when it came out and I, I've always really liked it since then. Uh, their form of death and black metal here, it's more polished and produced than a lot of groups are. And this album, pretty much start to end, is at least, it's loud, it's crushing, it's heavy. It's mm -hmm. like a storm of blackness and lightning coming at you. Uh, I, I like most of the songs. I think they're all structured pretty well. But I agree with you that the first four or five songs are the, are the best, at least in terms of sitting down listening to the album front to end. Because my, actually, my favorite song on the album is the opening song uh, called Blow Your Trumpets. Gabriel, mm -hmm. and that's one of the songs where they utilize string instruments, woodwinds, keyboards, uh, and it really just blows the scale of some of these songs up to being larger than life. Uh, and a lot of these theologically aimed lyrics uh, and the grand sound, uh, it goes together well and it really is a crushing, it's a metal experience, it's a hardcore metal record, and I like it quite a bit for the most part. Yeah, and I, I liked Messe Messe Noir. Or okay. mess, I don't know. Yeah, some of the songs in this album are are, are hard to pronounce. Yeah, I but know. no, that that one was a good one with like the the guitars interplaying with one another, and that was another one where they had to switch tempo. And... I believe that's the song where they have a really good guitar solo near the mm -hmm. end of it. Yep, that that's what kind of made it for me. Right, and you know, in terms of vocals here, again, metal, saw a lot of metal, especially black metal. It's going to be screeching, growling churning lyrics that you're probably not going to be able to understand necessarily not all of it's even in english uh but i think it accompanies uh the sound really well and it, uh, i believe nargal is the name of the lead singer yeah he legally changed his name to, yeah. to that i mean he he does it all and it's it, it whether you like it or hate it i think he does everything well here mm. and to actually do screamo too like actual screamo you actually have to have tremendously power powerful vocal cords and there is a singing cadence to it there's an art to it so he's right. he's clearly mastered it down through the years so sure but you know complaints about the album i actually think in terms of if you're talking black metal or even even death metal i actually think this album might be a little bit too a little bit overproduced i think mm -hmm. it's maybe a little bit too polished it's a little bit too crisp and clean a lot of black metal sounds like it was recorded in a cave with an old 1980s tape recorder yeah. or something. And while I like the the crisp, clean sound of it at the same time, part of me wishes it was a little bit grimier in some parts. And uh, I think the album does lose lose some some steam here and maybe it, there's not a whole lot of new ideas on the album in terms of the genre. So it does kind of spin its wheels a little bit in, in parts. Mm -hmm. And like I said too, at the end, it just it kind of turned me off because they, I think that tied into it being overproduced is they just added too much crap on top of crap on top of crap. Like, not that it was like... Yeah, there's a lot going but on. But it was just like, and it got to be too much. You know, it's okay to have a lot with a metal song and a lot of sounds going on. But when you have like the, the you know, lead guitar doing one thing, the bass, the drums, and then you have another guitar, and then you pile another guitar on top of it, it gets to be like what the brain can't comprehend that. It's like, what the hell am I listening to? Um, well, then, yeah, and, and I think that can be a little bit much, but at the same time, I think... That level of complexity is, I think it's pretty cool how it all it, it all works. Mm -hmm. And I think to tie this album uh, into our theme this week, it's pretty obvious. The yep. Satanist yep. is the name of the album. I mean, nothing here is uplifting. Nothing will make you feel good. Uh, the lyrics are critical of religion. They're critical of God. They're critical of humanity. It's dark, evil. It's a dark glimpse into the world. 
but it's done from creative minds who, who've written some pretty interesting songs. Some people are going to find uh, the content here offensive, and I totally understand that. This mm -hmm. isn't for everybody, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it really encapsulates what evil is. Yeah, definitely. And the, I think it's like the seventh or eighth song. There's like that sequence where he's talking in what I think is Polish. I, I, mean, I believe they are a Polish band. Yeah, so, so he, I think he's talking in Polish, and it's just like you get that sense of like he's like summoning the devil you know right right well and actually now that you you mentioned that that song it's it, it, and you said this at the beginning how this album has a good amount of variation in terms of it's not all just these speed blast beats of metal chaos it does mm -hmm. slow down to yeah. parts like you said where there's a piano playing and he's kind of just talking into the microphone there's a lot of quieter or slow moments on the album which is nice because some of these metal albums can be you know, full throttle the entire mm -hmm. way through, and this one has a decent amount of variation. Mm -hmm. So overall, uh, what would you uh, ratings? Would, yes, I gave it a seven point four. Seven point four, because I thought it it did enough to be good. It didn't really cross that threshold into the eights for me because of they're just the end was too much of a black stain for me. Like it wasn't. I wouldn't call it a black stain, but it just <laughs> it didn't it didn't add up. The end didn't add up for me. Yeah, I uh, you know I, I have to give it a little bit more credit just because uh, I don't listen to a ton of metal anymore. But this is one that I've I revisited a lot. I like how how just big and epic it sounds. Mm -hmm. I like most of the songs on here. I think it's well recorded, maybe a little bit overproduced for for the sound it's going for. But uh, I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. I really like this this album, and I actually think of all of Behemoth's records, and like I said, this is their tenth album. This is probably my favorite of theirs. Mm -hmm. So. But yeah, if you get a chance to, anyone who's listening, just Google image behemoth band. <laughs> Super entertaining. When you when you take away the context of like, maybe they aren't actually Satanists and stuff like that. I mean, maybe they are, but... Again, we don't know for sure, but if you take all that away, it's like, right. God, these guys are being super goofy. Well, and it's funny because if you look into the history of, of this band or the whole within the whole context of black metal and a lot of uh, you know metal that comes from uh, Europe in general, they're actually one of the least controversial bands. Mm -hmm. There are bands who have straight up burnt churches down and stuff, and these guys have never necessarily been linked to anything like that. But it's pretty it's pretty freaky stuff. But uh, hey, we picked the album for a reason. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not my go-to type of music, but I, every, if I'm in the mood, if I'm having a bad day, uh, I'm going to put on some metal, and this is a good one, I think. Yeah, it, it was definitely a level above, like, I think of, like, Devil Driver. That's what I, like, what kind of got me into metal. Like, I had a, a roommate mm -hmm. in college that listened to a lot of Devil Driver, and that's, like, compared, this was more smart than that. Right. Like, this was very, very intelligent There's more going on music. here. Yeah. There's more in terms of how the songs are constructed. You can tell that these guys know their stuff when it comes to, to music. Yeah. Very, 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 very talented. But, um, but yeah, lots of, lots of news stuff to cover, too. Yeah. On from the, uh, on from the, the album of the week. Yeah, we'll move on to a couple uh, news items and, and entertainment and perhaps otherwise. But, Things um, going on. Right now, obviously, like we we just were talking about off air, it is a gauntlet coming up of, of movie releases. Pretty typical for the season. I think this season is just a little bit no, I agree worse than usual, which which includes worse or better. Well, it, worse in terms. <laughs> if you're, I should say, if you're a movie producer, it's it's bad. Like you you can't yeah you know really the fact that a Star Wars movie is coming out really throws the wrench in the gears for a lot of these movies mm -hmm. because I don't care who you are. If anybody thinks that that movie's gonna tank. 
you're wrong. Star Wars is going to come out on top. And the fact that there's so many other movies coming out, it's overwhelming. It's it's crazy. I mean, just looking, I was looking at the releases on IMDb and, and reading then the reviews on, on Rotten Tomatoes. And it was just like mind boggling like just the, the quantity of good movies that are going to, supposedly good movies, we haven't, you know, right. I guzzled them yet, but just i can't believe it but the star like you said the star wars to me is like the the creme de la creme of of film series and they're it's the next installment people have been waiting ancient years you just got your tickets yesterday yeah well i bought them a while ago but when we went to the theater they actually printed them out for me and the guy at the box office what did he say he was like oh man you're going to the 7:30. super busy you got to show up an hour early which uh, doesn't make sense because i have tickets and i only have two i'm not going with a big group of people or anything i'm going yeah. with my wife who has only by the way seen one of the star wars movies oh my god but we're working on that yeah <laughs> but he was yeah he was freaking out it's not like it's gonna be yeah i don't understand but I guess I'll see. Maybe well, it's not like a standing room only or anything, or like you said, you have you have tickets to go to the theater. It's it not literally like, has the theater number and everything on it. It's not like they're over. It's not a a plane. They're not accidentally overbooking it or anything. Right. I don't think. I guess we'll see, but uh, it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm excited. But uh, on top of that, I mean, the Revenant, Joy, mm-hmm. um, Hateful Eight, which is a movie I was sort of excited about in another western from Quentin Tarantino, but. It just premiered the other day, and apparently it's real, real good. Really? Some people are saying... Well, he's not exactly known for putting out super, super crappy movies. I just had a kind of an off feeling about this, but that's only early word, but I'm excited to see it. It's apparently three hours long. Nice. Apparently it has an intermission, which is, I mean, unheard of these days. I don't remember the last time I saw a movie in theaters with an intermission. Like but they turn on the lights? Like an actual... Apparently, that might only be the 70 millimeter screenings, because apparently for The Hateful Eight... If you see the film in 70 millimeter, it's actually a different cut of the movie that's going to be in regular theaters. It's like 10 minutes longer. And that has the overture. Like if you've ever seen older uh, films, uh, classics like Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. 2001 A Space Odyssey, those movies open up and it says overture on the screen and you hear five or so minutes of music uh, that leads into the opening credits. And apparently this movie has that, hmm. um, which is very unique. But there, there's just so many movies coming out. It's it's a gauntlet, but... More recently, the the Hunger Games, the the finale, the yes. end of this the series, <laughs> didn't do so good in its opening weekend for their movie. But then again, those we were just discussing, those headlines were skewed because the movie, the producing company, made a pretty good financial deal to to make one and two. Right, the entire part one and two, from what I've read, maybe we're wrong about this, but apparently parts one and two of the final Hunger Games uh, series. Cost a total of 160 million dollars, which at this point every penny they make is pure profit. Mm-hmm. But even at that, saying this this final movie is making less than the other ones isn't saying a whole lot because it's still making a ton of money. It still is. It's yeah. been number one at the box office two weeks in a row. Yeah. So. And I know that they said that the opening weekend wasn't that good, but then over the Thanksgiving weekend, which is a huge time for movies, because yep. pe- everyone yep. goes to the theater, mm-hmm. that then it, it kind of bom- did a little bit of a bounce back. So, so nothing nothing too bad there. But we were just talking about off air. We wanted to talk about it. Uh, the latest Pixar film, The Good Dinosaur, for them, it's their I, b- I believe the lowest opening lowest. since 
Toy Story, which yeah. was their first film back yeah. in 96 or 7. Which, when you put that into perspective... Nobody like, knew who they were at the yeah. time. And nobody even knew really what Toy Story... It was kind of like this foreign thing. Well, exactly. So that, It was totally new, but, but to see this movie make so little... It's a little surprising. However, I do think it'll stick around for a while. Generally, mm -hmm. family-friendly movies tend to have a long life. Mm -hmm. But it's got like a $200 million budget, which is huge. It only made $40 million its opening weekend. It's gotten good reviews, not great reviews. I just think for Pixar to have released two movies in one year, especially releasing their second one now, it's, it was a little bit of a risk for them. Because yeah. I don't know if they're going to make as much of a profit on this as they were probably hoping. Yeah, and I think, I don't even think that it's, like you said, I think the second release is more of a profound effect than the movies it's going up. Because they don't really compete against, the movies we're talking about are for adults, you know? Right, nobody's going to take their kids to see The Revenant. I would, or, hopefully. Star Wars might take some of that. Yeah. Because it's got that PG-13 rating, but... I mean, The Good Di Dinosaur is going to be a pretty safe bet for kids. I know, like, another Alvin and the Chimpmunks movie's mm -hmm. coming up, but nobody's going to go see that. Alvin, it has a dumb name, too. They always do. Why do they? I like, just how, don't understand. How can we make the name so stupid? But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a low opening, but I think we'll see it in the top five or ten for, I, I would say, time. two months, I, I would guess. It's going to be around for a while. But, and uh, even over the, it'll do good over the holidays. You would right, think, right. I mean, and it'll probably still be in theaters at that point. I know the big, the big discussion is what Star Wars is going to do. Some people think it's going to beat Jurassic World's all-time opening weekend record. I personally don't think it's going to beat that record. Mm -hmm. I think in the long run it'll make more money. But, uh, d you know, winter, December releases in general, I think the biggest one ever was $88 million, mm -hmm. uh, which is less than a third of what Jurassic World make. But it's winter, weather's bad for a lot of people, there's way more movies out at one time that's going to divide audiences. Mm -hmm. I just don't see Star Wars on opening weekend taking that all-time opening weekend crown. Yeah. Crown. Um, I think it'll make, if it's good, it, it might, it has a chance to be the biggest movie ever. Mm -hmm. If it's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, will it be better than some of the classic originals? Eh, probably not. But uh, audiences are a little weird. There's going to be people who walk into this movie with their noses in the air saying, impress me, and they're going to hate it no matter what. And there's going to be some people who go into this thinking this is going to be the best movie ever, and when it isn't, they're going to be disappointed. I I'm excited to see the movie. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a good adventure, good action movie, a good entry in the Star Wars mm -hmm. cinematic world. But uh, I I'm not going to say it's going to be the greatest movie ever because, uh, you know, you don't know. Yeah. I think it's cool for, like, the the kids that haven't, like, they, when was the last one released? Eight? 2005. 2005. So ten, ten years ten ago. Years. Mm -hmm. So there's there's some kids that, like, grew up with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. There's two generations of people who grew up with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. There's people who were born in the 60s who saw the original trilogy in the 70s and 80s, and then people born in the 90s. Like, I was born in 90. And The Phantom Menace was the first movie I saw in theaters. There's these two different generations who grew up with these movies leading mm -hmm. into this. And now there's going to be kids who are seeing this and it'll probably be their first Star Wars movie. Because I'm sure they're not going to make this movie hard for people who've never seen any of the other two to, yeah. to watch. Oh, no way. So it, no it's way. really kind of a perfect storm for them. And Star Wars is so popular that uh, there's a lot of anticipation, a lot of expectations for this movie. That's pretty much it. the. If you look at like the Google News metrics every day, it tracks like what stories are where and stuff like. Star Wars has been for the past two weeks 
top news. Everything mm-hmm. else kind of comes and goes. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Yeah, it's a it's a cultural phenomenon. It's, yeah, it's it's not like a lot of things out there. I, and the thing is, I have a hard time believing that it would like absolutely suck. Or even well, like, that's the thing with just with J.J. Abrams directing mm-hmm. and some of the good actors in there. Like I said, is it going to be bad? No. Will it be the greatest movie ever? Probably not. But I do think it'll be a good movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for it. Do they usually? Would, is it going to do good at the with the Academy Awards, or is it too late? Um, I would think for maybe. like technical stuff, they'd probably win a bunch of. I think, yeah, I mean, technically, yeah, I think it'll do well in the technical awards, but in terms of best picture and stuff, man, it would have to be really good for yeah. that. What's weird is seeing, we had mentioned before, some of these early critic uh, and, and early award uh, groups already giving best movie of the year to some people. It's a little weird since there's a lot of movies that haven't come out yet. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it, it'll get some Oscars, but unless it's really good, I don't think it's going to be a huge player at the, Os- at the Oscars, you know. Yeah. I think it'll be best special effects, maybe sound editing, stuff like that. Costume but, uh, design. It's hard to say. It's so easy to this early in advance. Like I was saying before that Spotlight is going to be, I think it would win movie of the year, but there's so many movies coming out. Anything could happen. Yeah, it, and it's a wild card. Just and with the magnitude of films too, we've talked about it before. The Revenant coming out, huge, huge budget. But what you know what? What I what I will say about that movie is, from what I've heard, the early buzz of the movie is that it's super violent, it's super messed up, and I think whenever I hear that about a movie in terms of Oscars, unless it's historically very significant, something like Twelve Years a Slave, Schindler's List, mm-hmm. something that violent. Uh, doesn't usually do very well at the Oscars. Yeah. So I almost think it might be a little bit too much for them, but I'm certainly expecting it to show up. Mm-hmm. And I know I, there's a lot of energy surrounding that, too. Just, mm-hmm. and, and it's been in the headlines. So it'll be definitely an interesting month, but just a boatload of, of good movies coming out one after, one after the next. All right, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some more news items, talk about what we're obsessed with. Beep. Episode, once again, number two, evil. We need to pick a positive <laughs> We talked about this. Next, <laughs> next, next week, we're going to uh, pick a comedy. We'll pick funny stuff. It'll be, it'll be more uplifting. But I think it's, we're doing okay of making this, uh, you know. Yeah, we hope, we hope you're interested. And it's not like we're like evil, uh, we're depressed, we're... No. Life sucks. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, listening to metal, because I listened to this album, I think, three times in total... And with what like what free time I have, and it it was like I was kind of like angry and on edge for a couple of days because of list. That's all I was listening to is metal. Okay. So today I finally listened to the the podcast that I usually listen to, Men and Blazers, and it, it just it like calmed me down a little bit. It was like it was just weird, to like listening to metal and stuff. Kind of tripped me it out. Stressed you out a little bit, huh? So one thing we wanted to talk about was the uh, the top ten. Instagram and Spotify released a top ten of of twenty fifteen for songs. I don't think they could pull off album, but um, you and I were d- talking about it off air. I think I had seen listened to two. I think you were at two. Well, let's run through these. So we have "What Do You Mean" by Justin Bieber was number one. 
Number two was Good For You by Selena Gomez. Number three was Hello by Adele. Number four, She's Kinda Hot by Five Seconds of Summer. Five, Blank Space by Taylor Swift. Six, Bad Blood by Taylor Swift. Seven, Focus by Ariana Grande. Eight, Worth It by Fifth Harmony. Uh, ninth, Thinking Out Loud by Ed Sheeran. And number 10 was 100 by the game featuring Drake. Yeah, um, um, I mean, I know two of the songs on mm -hmm. this list. Uh, I mean, I know all of the artists pretty much. I've heard of all of them. Uh, especially the game and you know Taylor Swift. I think everybody has to know about yeah. her. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting that this is their these are their most listened to songs of the year. Mm -hmm. and, um, okay, I mean I'm not surprised by anything here necessarily. I think it's all pretty safe pop music, uh, inoffensive stuff. Nothing I'm a huge fan of, but uh, nothing terrible. I don't no, think so. I think it uh, correlates to radio oh, pretty big heavily. Time. Like these are all songs that were on. The repeat, which I don't listen. That's the reason I probably haven't heard a lot of these songs. I don't. I don't listen to the radio. Yeah, I'm not big on it either. I have. Uh, I mean, for over ten years now, I think I've phased the radio out and, and stuff like that. And anything I hear uh, like that is of my own free free will, or if it's <laughs> recommended to me. But um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's cool to see Adele on there. I mean, she's pretty good. Uh, mm -hmm. I think people like Taylor Swift and Selena Gomez are easy to uh, trash. But uh, I, I don't think their music is nearly terrible or, or offensive as some people make it out to be. No, not at all. I mean, these are all hopeful. You would hope to be talented people. Some question marks around five seconds to five seconds of summer. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't have an issue. I know a lot of people will be like, "Oh, boo, pop." It's like, it's it's part of the game. I don't you think know? there's anything surprising here, right? No. But it not it, at all. it harkens the question of. Uh, there's been kind of an interesting resurgence if you look at the history of music how if you look at the the roots of rock and roll back in the 50s and the early 60s all music was very single oriented you would get 45 records which were basically two-sided very the smaller records that you would need the special piece in the middle for that uh have one song and a side and that was just a single. And if you got a full-length album, they were just usually a collection of singles the group had released over the last year or so, with a couple of other things mixed in. But then when you got to the late 60s, I would argue all the way, man, through, through the 80s and even into the 90s, it started to die, die off there. You really had an emphasis put on full albums, front to back records, cohesive collections of songs. But it's kind of interesting seeing how just in the last five or ten years there's been a big swing back to singles, mm -hmm. uh, hit songs. the The album itself wasn't isn't as important as the song itself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty interesting. It is, and I know that um, Apple Music actually they're kind of encouraging the the concept of listening to an album because you can listen to a single and then click on the artist and you're right at the at the album then. Right. It'll give you top songs or whatever, but it's just as easy to get to their full yeah. albums on there. And I think music is right now beyond accessible. There's actually a very poignant, I think, um, <clears throat> commercial with Q-Tip from A Tribe Called Quest. And mm -hmm. he, I think I he did, he's done a lot of solo stuff. But it's uh, him with his... The like, Renaissance. That's yeah. a great album. Oh, yeah. That's, that's up there. But he um, he's in a commercial with like this kid, and he's like, oh, my, um, I've spent years... Because apparently he has this like epic vinyl collection in his basement like it's walls of music like that's awesome <laughs> but he's, he's supposedly in there i think it was like a commercial set but maybe it wasn't i don't know 
but he's he's in there and his this neighbor kid's over and he says um it's taken me 20 years to accumulate all this music that now my neighbor has on his phone and that's kind of true music is is very accessible but i agree with you about the the single thing it's kind of odd how we're going back to that and i think it's maybe there's more of an emphasis on that but at the same time albums are very relevant today we see a uh, vinyl records selling a, a lot more. We see uh, popular websites like Pitchfork rating entire albums versus just focusing on on, on single tracks. Same mm -hmm. with Rolling Stone and, and Entertainment Weekly. Um, so you see a good mixture of both. But uh, for me personally, I'm an album guy. When I listen to music, I like to listen to an album front to back uh, if I can. Mm -hmm. And I'll usually listen to, to start off, like uh, usually at the end of the week, I'll listen to all the best of that week and then I'll usually write those down and listen to the group's album then and really because to me anyone can write a single not anyone but right. it's in the scope of music it's pretty easy to write a single it's insanely difficult to write an album that's top tier because that's more, a lot more rare yes it is but it's, it's kind of cool seeing this list I mean it shows the trends of where music's at and everything but uh it, but at the same time, I guess, looking at this list of musicians and artists, um, I don't think it necessarily does justice to how much variety there is in music right now. No, yeah, that's true. There, I mean, there, there's so much missing here. But, you know, it's only 10 songs. Yeah. And I think people who are specifically using Spotify are generally more aimed towards just wanting to listen to the top music. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's quite a bit of bias here, but it's interesting uh, as a discussion piece all the same. Yeah. So next, let's let's do this uh, this rental thing. So we decided what we're gonna do since at least where we are, if anyone's listening to us in California or uh, somewhere sunny, um, obviously you can go outside and do stuff around here. It's getting to the time of year where you're kind of stuck inside most of the time, and one thing that's good to do is to rent a movie. Yeah, either if you want to go to Redbox or if you run things digitally on whatever platform you use, tons of movies you can rent. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk about some that some more recent ones that we would recommend people uh, to rent and check mm -hmm. out. So what would you uh, recommend? I actually just uh, just saw it to uh, was that two three days ago. A man from Uncle. Okay. And I I just really liked it. It was directed by Guy Ritchie. Yep. Okay. And it's got oh, who's in that? Army Hammer and the dude who plays Superman now. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have been wanting to see that. Okay. Yeah. I just it was a. a just pretty typical of what Guy Ritchie's done in his career, but... It's based just, off an old TV show. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Well, really liked cool. it. That's what I'd recommend. And Netflix, I don't know. I haven't been on Netflix in, in a little while. Well, okay. Well, in terms of, of newer rentals, the movie I would pick is a movie called Dope, which came out over the summer. A pretty, pretty unknown cast for the most part. Uh, one of the guys from Workaholics, the, the Comedy Central show, was in it, uh, as is uh, Zoe Kravitz. Um, Lenny Kravitz's daughter, but uh, it's a really great movie, and it's really funny, but it's, it, it kind of shifts between really funny and being really serious and pointing out some social issues in inner cities and kind of showing how younger millennials are kind of an interesting cultural blend of 1960s culture and, uh, you know, more headline-oriented culture. Now, I thought it was really good. It was really entertaining, but definitely a hard R rating on that one. <laughs> but with Netflix, yeah, I don't keep up with the newer stuff on Netflix. I watched one the other day that was just put on called The Last Shift, which was kind of an interesting horror movie, which 
a lot of the horror movies on Netflix can be real bad, and this mm-hmm. one was surprisingly good. <laughs> they can. They go. Yeah. They go south quick. So those two, I would pick. I think. One thing that's in theaters that I've actually, and this is a little off topic, but I was kind of happy to see, is the the horror, the Christmas horror movie. Krampus. Krampus, and I was like, I was so for some reason just elated to finally see like a good, good old fashioned it's Christmas horror week. movie. Yeah. And that's actually directed by the guy who did Trick or Treat. Uh, the Halloween horror movie thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. Uh-huh. Uh, it's kind of cool to see that he's sticking to a holiday-themed horror movie, and there's a lot of good actors in it. That looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it does. And it, I feel like, too, that it's the plot is is good. Like, I, like I'm, I'm okay with the, the plot of them, like, summoning this demon. But, um, but, yeah, it's just happy to see that, man. Yeah, that looks cool. So those are some uh, recommendations you guys can maybe look up if you're if, if any of that sounds good. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff out there. There is. Especially, in, is there actually a count of how many movies are on Netflix somewhere? Maybe. Probably. It's got to be millions. I don't know, millions. Hundreds of thousands? Mm, I don't know. Tens so. of thousands? Probably maybe 10,000 or so. Because, yeah, I, I don't know. It just seems it's so It's just deep. changing all the time, too. Yeah. Well, because so. they, if I understand correctly, they like lose agreements, then they get agreements, and they lose some agreements and get old ones back. And it's like this constant shift. Right. Exactly. Of, of that. But now for uh, usually our closing piece is the, the beloved obsessions. Yes, whatever so, we're obsessed with this week. So, Ethan, what are you obsessed with right now? All right, well, to go back to the whole album talk, uh, this week I've really had my mind wrapped around the whole Vinyl Me Please service, which Vinyl Me Please, for people who don't, I'm okay. Well, first of all, I'm a big record collector. I like Huge. I listen to records all the time. I buy them new, old, whatever I can get my hands on that I want. Uh, but there's a service called Vinyl Me Please, which is a monthly subscription service where they ship you one album a month, which they choose, which some people like, some people don't like. So there's a little bit of luck of the draw there because not everybody likes every music. So some of the albums I've gotten are just okay. Some of them have been really good. But uh, the release that they announced recently for December is an album called, or an album by a new age pianist named Nils Fromm and his album called Spaces, which is, I believe, partially live, partially studio, but it's just, uh, it's a piano-driven album and it goes from psychedelic soundscapes to more classically oriented stuff and it's a great album, so I was really excited for them to announce that and I've been thinking about it a lot and, and one of the perks with Vinyl Me Please is when you subscribe, you get access to their vinyl store, which you can add on all sorts of different albums. Oh, nice. They have a whole library for extra money. You can uh, add on extra stuff and they all ship it to you. Uh, second week of the month is when they ship it out. And I added on a couple albums. Um, uh, this month I added on Baroness's new album, The Purple Album. And I added on uh, an electronic artist named One O Tricks Point Never, his new album as well. Um, so I'm very excited about that, but I've just been, that's, that's what's been on my noggin lately. Yeah, I can see uh, Baroness in our future. I think that's going to be on the show, probably the week it comes out, because I've been, I've been, I haven't been upset. I wouldn't say that's not, not my obsession, but <laughs> you just brought that up, and I'm like, I can't wait for that to, to come out. And they're an awesome band. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So what about you? What are you obsessed with this week? Full on. Uh, it's been one for a while, but it's growing as uh, the Barclays Premier League. Good old-fashioned soccer have been just all-consumed. Football. Football. And just watching it, reading news about it. But the season uh, in December gets really hectic. They play like 
seven games over the course of four weeks. So it's kind of this big part of, of the season, and it's it's been kind of on my mind to the point I barely actually read anything about the Green Bay Packers. I'm almost entirely based in that world, although right now the Packers are really easy to ignore. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, man. Oh, man, don't be a Fairweather fan. No, I'm not. But it's... It's been a big obsession of mine and just kind of following it and, and thinking about it and yeah, I get notifications on my phone all the time. So. I know you've always been into the, the football. Yeah. I, I just can't do it, dude. Yeah, it's, it's not... I've tried. It's not really fair. And the thing is, is it's, it's growing like so significantly right now. It's just astro- to the, the amount of people that are watching soccer matches on a Saturday morning to me is mind-boggling. And it's all because of accessibility. NBC signed them on, and they they broadcast every single game. But I think that's true with a lot of sport. I, I, I think NFL, I mean football, and then soccer in general are two sports where it seems like every year after the Super Bowl, for example, you see the headline biggest ever. Mm-hmm. I just feel like with with like you said, ease of access, more people watch the major sporting events, and I would put money on it that soccer and football are the two most popular sports on the planet. I mm-hmm. think bar none. Yeah. And I think so too. And it's so so international, and I think a lot of people are just drawn to it for the simple fact of it's something different. Like if you're not into football, baseball is kind of you know it is what it is. You're either a baseball fan or you're not. Hockey's really foreign to a lot of people. Basketball is kind of like if you didn't play it, you don't really understand it. I think soccer is really easy to relate to in the sense that it's it's there now. You can wake up on a Saturday morning. We're lucky on the in the Midwest in the Central Time Zone and Eastern Time Zone out out, out east that the games are like a relatively normal time. But nice. Yeah. Out west, they they have to wake up at like four in the morning to watch a game and stuff like that. It's not for me. No, no. Well, when I was in Hawaii, we uh, uh, April and I woke up pretty early and went. We found a Packer bar in Oahu called mm-hmm. Snappers, and we watched the the Packers game there, which was. Very interesting. The game was kind of a bummer, but it was fun seeing a bunch of uh, uh, locals from good old Wisconsin hanging out in Hawaii at the same time we were there. That's crazy. It just shows you how anywhere you go, you can find fans of any team in pretty much any sport. Yeah. It's really cool to see. And there's actually, I just I just recently found out a, a really renowned soccer bar in Milwaukee. I didn't even know. And it's like, you have to show, you have to reserve like your stool and all this bizarre stuff. But hmm. that's really, that was a cool th- post that I saw from you, so... Yeah. Well, awesome. Yeah, I think that covers everything this week. Well, that's uh, episode number two in the books. Wasn't as uh, downbeat as I thought it might have been. No, no, I was really worried we were going to get in like a rut. Like, oh, first <laughs> doubt and now evil and, yeah. and who knows what's next. But we promised something somewhat more upbeat. We'll see where we end up landing in the in the coming weeks, but this is going to be the the weekly thing now. So Right, and what we'll try to do is um we're going to try to start advertising a little bit more for this podcast and uh you know, on Twitter, Instagram at weekly neurosis, all one word. Uh, you can find us there and um I'm going to hope we're going to hopefully be able to uh put out what our theme is for the upcoming episode. Uh, so we can kind of give a little bit of preview of what's coming up next as we determine what we're going to be watching, what we're going to be listening to. And, uh, you know, just so everyone's clear, we're going to try to mix up all the new stuff. We're not always going to be watching new releases. Every now and then we're going to watch something, you know, maybe classic or something we've never seen or just something the other person recommends that's maybe older and the same goes for uh, uh, albums. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to try to make sure all the gaps are filled in and we're doing this pretty regularly from this point on. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, I'll be most of the time around. No, I don't have any trips coming up, I don't think. No, I don't have any money after Hawaii. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and also, too, we're in the possibly near future, we might do a live movie, too, where you can listen in with us and watch a movie with, with the boys from Weekly Neurosis. Yeah, maybe do just a, a fun commentary where we drink too much and uh, make fun of whatever we're watching. Get, get a little <laughs> sloppy. But we got lots of stuff planned. Again, you can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram. We're on Facebook. Weekly Neurosis. Weekly Neurosis. Yep. And we are two episodes in, many more to go. Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody. Take care.